We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are on episode 392. We just wrapped up our one-year anniversary already almost a month ago. Time is flying by here on the podcast. Um, I am joined by Jacob Westendorf today. Uh, We are losing one of our members to a honeymoon. Uh, Nick Schmitz just got married uh, to his lovely bride, Annie. And they are, I believe, currently at Harry Potter World, which is exciting and magical. Uh, So for those of you that don't recognize my voice, I am Maggie Loney and Jacob. Thanks for coming on today. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, it's uh, first and foremost, congratulations to Nick and Annie. Nick, I apologize. I was unable to crash your wedding as I had promised that I would. Um, so I'm kind of disappointed that I wasn't able to myself, but, uh, I had a family reunion of sorts over the weekend. So that was nice. Uh, and I'm currently in the Buckeye state. So taking all things in Packers from Toledo, Ohio, and, uh, the Packers are traveling a little bit themselves as we get it up North to, uh, Canada. Yeah. So I don't know. I personally have never been to Canada, which, I don't know what that says about me as someone that lives in Wisconsin. It's pretty close. It should be one of those destinations that I can easily get to. But since I require a passport to do so, I have not been. Jacob, have you been to Canada? 
Uh, no, my opinion on the country of Canada essentially comes from the movie South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> so those that are familiar with that movie, uh, I'm joking, of course. But no, I have not been to the Great North. Um, I, just a random fun fact about my life that literally no one asked for. My first car was named Ike after Ike in South Park. Ah, um, the baby. <laughs> but... Um, let's go ahead and get started right now. Um, the Packers just wrapped up training camp 2019 uh, with their final public practice on Monday. Um, so, Jacob, I know that you got to attend a couple practices. I attended the final practice. Um, who are some of the players that stood out to you the most on offense? Uh, as far as camp goes, I was there. Uh, it was not. It was the Sunday before they played. Uh, that would have been Baltimore. So just after their first preseason game, thankfully they were in pads. Maggie, I don't know. I can't speak for how you feel about it, but non-padded practices are just so boring. <laughs> I mean, everything has an experience and an atmosphere, and yeah, it's cool. Like the players are right there and blah, blah, blah. But otherwise, yeah, non-padded practices, it's not football. So that's not any fun. Even though they're not hitting guys and bringing them to the ground, there's – so many things that are different with the pads on versus not. So offensively throughout camp, and even at the one I was at, Derry Shepard is the first one who seems to come to mind for a lot of people, and understandably so. He's been incredible, really, since he got there on his tryout day, uh, which was shortly after the draft. And when I saw him, he had a, a nice route against Jair Alexander and absolutely barbecued Adrian Amos on a wheel route and one-on-ones. Those aren't guys that are bagging groceries at the end of next week's cutdown. Those are guys that are Adrian Amos is a Pro Bowl level player, and Jair Alexander has the potential to be an All Pro level player. So these are very good players. He has taken some first team reps with Aaron Rodgers. He had a catch over the middle on Monday's practice, the one you were at, not to steal your thunder, but <laughs> that kind of stuff matters. And he's taking reps as the lead punt returner, uh, and I think that. That's something to keep an eye on as we get closer to cutdown day here because there's, I mean, we keep talking about seven, eight, nine, twenty-five wide receivers at this point. With some of the arguments I'm hearing, we might end up keeping half the roster uh, just as wide receivers because there's so many of them that even Aaron Rodgers has pointed out it's a deep and talented group, and he's right. Darius Shepard is one of the reasons why. One of the other guys I've noticed is Billy Turner, and that's the new right guard that they brought in. Uh, he's a North Dakota State grad, also, so not to give too much pub to Ross Uglum, but I guess uh, <laughs> it's North Dakota State session for me. Here's the thing. Last year's guard play, uh, Lane Taylor's healthy, uh, so that should help him a little bit. But Byron Bell was atrocious. Justin McRae wasn't very good at the beginning of the year either. Billy Turner is a massive upgrade, even if he's just an average player from what they had last season. And he's somebody who you notice him right away when he's on the field. I think uh, when we get to defense, I'll definitely talk about physical specimens, but Billy Turner is a large human and I think can absolutely be a force on this offensive line, which is something the Packers absolutely need. Remains to be seen how the other guard spot will go. I know that I read a stat today that said Elton Jenkins hadn't allowed a pressure in 46 pass blocking attempts. That's obviously going to be a positive. Uh, in his direction, Matt LaFleur has stated that Lane Taylor's competing for his job. According to just about everybody, if you just watch practice, it's pretty much Lane Taylor who's taking the first-team reps. But you get into games, Lane Taylor has played with that first-team offensive line, but so has Elton Jenkins. 
So I think that's something that remains to be seen here down the stretch as the Packers get closer to the regular season. Don't know how much the starters are going to actually play. We'll get to that also in a little bit. But I think those are the two guys. I'll give the the two North Dakota State guys a nod. I think they've both played very well. Uh, And I'm looking forward to, while one is for sure making the roster, and the other one I really hope does make the roster. I think he's earned his way. Yeah, Shepard was one of my guys, too. He just, something I noticed about him right away is that he probably got out to the practice field maybe 20 minutes before training camp was officially, or practice was officially going to start, and all he did the entire time was field kicks. So to me, that's a guy who, you know, maybe he knows that his quickest route uh, to the 53-man roster is through special teams, so he's doing everything in his power uh, to make sure that he stands out. Um, It was good to see Trevor Davis back uh, on the practice field. I know that, you know, some fans are really up in the air about how they feel about him. Some people think he's too injury prone. Some people would rather give that spot to Shepard. I don't necessarily think it's unrealistic to think that the Packers keep both players um, for different reasons, but they do kind of share a very similar role on special teams and what they would share on the offense. So that's probably going to be one of my competitions to watch um, heading into Winnipeg. But like you said, we will touch on that in a little bit. And uh, the other player I'll point out on the offense is uh, Bob Tanyan. Because with Jimmy Graham uh, sitting out with that finger, uh, Mercedes Lewis was doing some sideline work uh, with the tight ends coach, not really out in the 11-on-11 drills. Uh, Tanyan's getting a lot of first-team reps with Aaron Rodgers, also, when you consider that Jay Sternberger was going through the concussion protocol and didn't practice. So those have been some really valuable reps, and he had some really nice completions, um, even with Tim Boyle in as quarterback. So he's been having a really strong camp, and the additional reps that he's gotten, being one of the only tight ends to actually be practicing, those have been really beneficial to him. But now let's move on to the defense. So who are some guys that you like on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, the first thing I noticed when I was at practice was that Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary are just massive, massive humans. And Zadarius Smith, I don't know if it's the beard, if it's the hair, if it's the rolled-up jersey that shows off the muscles that I can only dream of having. (laughs) That guy is a physical monster, and he's terrifying. Uh, I think all three of those guys, that's the first thing that really jumped out to me was just the size of those three, especially when... I mean, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry aren't small guys, but they're not the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary just in terms of sheer size. Now, that's not necessarily going to lead to any production on the field, but it's just kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I know it's kind of a low-hanging fruit to pick the guy that the Packers spent a boatload of money on in free agency, but Zadarius Smith has looked the part in practice in his little bit of preseason performance uh, this past Thursday. He had a play that probably is a sack on any quarterback other than Lamar Jackson. He's been as advertised, both on the field uh, from what we can see, and then obviously uh, with some of the stuff that we've been able to read off the field as far as being a mentor to Rashawn Gary, taking a leadership role on the defense. Just all of those things add up very nicely together. For I think Zedaria Smith's going to have a huge season, and I don't know exactly what that looks like just yet, but... I mean, Andy Herman has talked about this several times about the Packers. If they just got average play from the Smiths, how much of an upgrade it was over Matthews and Perry and Reggie Gilbert to some degree as well. 
uh, the guys that took a lot of snaps for them a season ago, I think that that is going to be a massive upgrade for those guys in that spot. Jerry Alexander certainly looks the part. Again, that's an easy one. Uh, you can see the second-year leap from him. But Darnell Savage is another player that he was practicing when I was there, so I was thankful for that because he had some time where he missed at the beginning with uh, with a two, well, it's not really an injury or an illness, I guess, but he had mouth surgery. And as somebody who went through that himself, I can empathize with Savage's situation. But he's just – I don't know if the big plays are going to be there this season. They could be. Uh, but I, I think if nothing else, he's assignment sure, he's a downhill player, and he attacks the football. Essentially the polar opposite of HaHa Clinton Dix on just about everything. I think the Packers, and I'm not I don't want to pick on HaHa, obviously, but I think between Amos and Savage, the Packers have upgraded in almost every aspect over Clinton Dix. I don't know if the sexy numbers will be there for Savage and Amos, like you got with Clinton Dix. You know, Clinton Dix is pretty good at falling into a couple of interceptions every year. He led the Packers in interceptions last year and didn't play for them for half the season. So that's certainly not a positive thing in that regard, but that's something that could change better pass rush. Obviously will help that as well. But those are two guys that really caught my eye. I think there was a moment that, well, I'll let you tell the story. You caught a really cool moment with Darnell Savage yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, I got really lucky. I got to training camp about half an hour before the gates opened Um, So I ended up in one of the front rows right on the 25-yard line. And after uh, one of the plays on defense, Aaron Rodgers walked over to the sideline where Darnell Savage was sitting or standing. And you could kind of see that Rodgers was coaching him up. He was pointing out things that he noticed on the defense. There were a lot of hand gestures and a lot of kind of spotlighting the things that were going on on defense as the defense was taking additional reps. And I thought that was such a cool moment um, for Darnell Savage to be able to learn from one of the greatest quarterbacks and kind of what he was seeing on the defense so that Savage knew when the play happened again, kind of how to better plan for it. So that was, that was a really cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a invaluable experience that Savage can get from working with those guys. And I think it's something all the defensive backs, you hear them all talk about it. Alexander, Josh Jackson, Tony Brown, whomever, they've all said how working with Aaron Rodgers makes them better players. Now, we've heard that in the past, and it hasn't led to results on the field, but I, I'm i trying to temper my expectations just because I know it seems like every year we've talked ourselves into believing the defense is going to be better, that this is the year the defense is better, and realistically, the defense has pretty much stunk every year except for 2010, a couple average years and a slightly above average year in 2012. But other than that, it's been some really poor units. But I really think the Packers' offense is going to be behind their defense for the majority of the year. And that's not necessarily an indictment of how the offense could be because I do think the offense is going to struggle to find its way a little bit throughout the course of the year. But I think it's going to be more so because the defense, I mean, it's getting some hype too, like national hype. Adam Shine is talking about how he thinks it's a top 10 unit. I think it was Rex Ryan had them as a top 10 unit, uh, potentially as far as their defense goes. So that's exciting when you hear stuff like that. I think that they want to talk about taking pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. One of the ways you do that is make it so, okay, Rodgers scores 17 points. I don't know what the Packers record is in a game where the Packers only score 17 points since Rodgers has been the starting quarterback. Probably can look that up, but if he scores 17 points, you can still win the game 17 to 14. The Packers haven't been able to do that. They've had to score, you know, 25, 30, 40 points to win a lot of games. Having a better defense goes a long way towards taking the pressure off of making Aaron Rodgers be Superman. 
It's okay to let him be Superman, but he doesn't have to be Superman. I think there's a big difference between those two things. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to think about going into this season that a lot of Packer fans uh, are maybe more concerned about the offense than the defense, and I can't remember the last time that's happened. You know, every year it's been, we have Aaron Rodgers, get Aaron Rodgers some weapons, and please just let the defense kind of hang on. Well, you know, this year we have Mike Pettin in his second season uh, coaching, so the defense kind of has a leg up there. Um, while the offense, even though you have Aaron Rodgers, is going through a brand new scheme change, all new coordinators. So it's really an interesting dynamic going into maybe the final four or five seasons of Rodgers' career to think about the fact that for once, there's a lot more optimism going forward with the defense and a little more skepticism or just kind of wait-and-see attitude with the offense. Um, A couple of my standouts on defense for the Packers Tony Brown is a big one to me. Um, for what it's worth as well, our lads, um, which is a scouting service, they have an unofficial depth chart that they update almost every day. And as of yesterday, they had Tony Brown ahead of Josh Jackson on the depth chart. Um, and a lot of that could be the fact that Josh Jackson was missing practice due to injury. Um, but Tony Brown has really come on strong. He's really been impressive for the Packers Um, especially given the injuries that you have to Kevin King, who hasn't been able to practice. Um, So paired opposite Jair Alexander and Tremont Williams, Tony Brown is making a big jump so far uh, in his second season. And it's not going to surprise me that he's going to take a lot of snaps uh, with the starters for the defense. The other player that I want to talk about, which isn't really a surprise if you did watch the Ravens game, would be Curtis Bolton. Um, I was sitting right next to all of the defensive players when they weren't taking part in the 11-on-11 drills. And the entire time, I was noticing that Curtis Bolton was not on the sideline because he was constantly on the field making plays. So even when you had Ty Summers sitting out, Blake Martinez sitting out, Curtis Bolton was always in the middle of the defense making a play somewhere. And that's pretty exciting, especially given the jump that we all expected Oren Burks to have and his unfortunate injury Um, Ty Summers looked good week one, but Curtis Bolton is really coming on strong, and he's really taking a lot of those first-team reps. So um, it was a good training camp for him and a good kind of way to wrap up and possibly solidify his spot on the 53-man roster. Yeah, I think that uh, Bolton Bolton might be the second-best linebacker on this roster, even when Oren Burks is healthy. I think that's something worth monitoring as we get close to the regular season that Burks is able to come back from his injury. Yeah, so, I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit already, maybe uh, pointing out standouts on offense on def- and on defense. Um, but going into week three, going into Winnipeg against the Raiders, who are some players that you kind of are expecting to either have a good game or players that you're really interested to see should they get playing time? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, you mentioned one of them. That was Josh Jackson. He's a second-round pick, somebody I really liked coming into that draft class. And right now, because of an injury, he's kind of behind, I mean, just about everybody, some of the usual suspects that you'd expect that could have jumped him. And that doesn't even include the fact that Kevin King, who's still injured, is ahead of Josh Jackson when he comes back. But I'd like to see him play, make some plays in the passing game, show that he's made that second-year jump because he's a second-round pick, somebody that they expect a lot of things from. Uh, When you make an investment like that, you want to see a return on that. At least see that he's gotten past some of the issues that plagued him from a season ago. Trevor Davis is another one. Uh, I've been a proponent of. I don't think I'm quite 
in the same mold as Zach Jacobson in terms of the Trevor Davis fan club. <laughs> but I do maintain he's the best returner on this team far and away. And he's when he's been available, which has been his problem, no doubt. But when he's been available, he's made plays in pads. And that's something that he hadn't done in previous camps and such. So I think there's some potential that's still there. I think the Matt LaFleur offense, you want to talk about somebody who can, because here's the thing. MVS has like speed, speed, but Trevor Davis gets from zero to 60 faster than MVS does, for example. So that jet motion, the jet sweeps, the swing plays, all that stuff that Matt LaFleur theoretically wants to do. Davis fits that like a glove. It's just a numbers game with him as to whether or not he's going to be able to make this roster because you've mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of different combinations and ways the Packers could go with the wide receiver position. At this point, I would probably venture to guess the only roster locks are Devontae Adams, Valdez Scantling, Geronimo Allison. Jake Kumaro is really close to being a lock. I think there's at least an outside chance that they release him still, but I wouldn't put money on it like I would have earlier in the year. But Davis is somebody, he's got to finish strong in camp. He's somebody that you want to see uh, play well and and see if he can continue the camp that he's had. The other one and the final one that I'll give you guys is Dexter Williams because there's so much talent with him running the ball. The problem is the NFL running back position is not just running the ball anymore. I believe, I don't know if it was the practice you were at, Maggie, or if it was the one the day before where Matt LaFleur like undressed him basically in front of the entire team because he dropped a pass and kicked him out of a drill. He struggled a lot with all the other little things which is funny because it took a little while. We've got, you know, some of us are out here saying after he has a good, he has a big game against Houston, and we've all supplanted him over, myself included, admittedly. I jumped the gun there. But we put him over Jamal Williams, and I've seen some people suggesting, like, Dexter Williams could overtake Aaron Jones by the end of the season. Like, <laughs> let's calm down a little bit. First of all, Aaron Jones is going to be a Pro Bowl player this year. Rush for over 1,200 yards. If you're a fantasy football player, take my advice and draft him. I guarantee you that your guys' league, especially if you're not in a really well-invested league, probably sees Packers running back and assumes, ah, no big deal. Aaron Jones is going to have a big year. But Dexter Williams is somebody who I think can be a valuable player to this offense, but there's so many things that he has to do better. Otherwise, you can't put him on the field. Like, if he can't pass block, and if he can't hang on to the ball, if he can't catch the ball out of the backfield... There's so many things that you can't do with him, and I, I think that's a struggle for him. Uh, it's something he's got to be able to overcome because, frankly, there's no doubt in my mind he's one of the three best running backs on this team in terms of sheer talent. But Trey Carson has been running ahead of him essentially the entire camp, and I personally don't see it with Carson. I think if the Packers decide that Dexter Williams isn't ready for prime time, that – they could decide to go with finding a veteran on the waiver wire or something of that sort uh, when the cuts come down. But Williams, I think, has to have a big finish, and I think he can, but you need to see it. And, frankly, we haven't uh, from a consistent basis, which is to be expected because he's a rookie, but need to see a jump from him, see if he's gotten better from the mistakes that he made. That's what you want to see. Rookies make mistakes. Do they get better? Yeah, I really like the Dexter Williams pick. He was someone that I was going to talk about if you didn't mention him. Uh, so I will take it a different route. And I'll just say Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones said at his locker that he uh, was expecting to play one or two series in Winnipeg. 
Um, so I do want to see him in game action. He's looked really good in training camp when he's been out there. Um, he's still got those explosive cuts. Uh, he can find the hole. Uh, he looks good out of the backfield uh, as a pass catcher. Um, so I do want to see him get a couple of reps in Matt LaFleur's offense, even though it should be pretty vanilla considering, especially that they'll be playing the Raiders again in the regular season. Uh, but it'll be good to have number 33 back out there with the starting offense, um, whether or not Aaron Rodgers does play, uh, which we'll talk about, I know, in just a couple minutes. Um, But then my other player to watch, I guess, isn't really a player and more of a position, so maybe that's cheating. Um, But I really kind of want to see how the offensive line shakes out. Um, To me, I would say that you have six or seven players that are roster locks, and the seven is kind of contingent on Elton Jenkins. So if Lane Taylor is your starting left guard, then Jenkins becomes the seventh lock. And I'm saying that as a lock because I also consider Alex Light to be a lock as the backup swing tackle. So if you have those seven offensive linemen that are your starters and then your two backups and roster locks, that means that you have uh, Yash Nijman, Gerard DeBeer, Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, and Cole Madison all competing for maybe two additional spots on the offensive line. And that's not including Adam Pinky um, or Anthony Coyle either. So I'm curious to see how the offensive line shakes out. Um, I know they've tried a number of guys, including Patrick McRae, Jenkins, and Madison, all at center because they don't really have a true backup center behind Lindsley. Um, so I think the depth and kind of where these guys are playing going into this pr- third preseason game, that'll matter a little bit just to kind of see, you know, maybe where the Packers are considering some of these guys and who might have a leg up as being one of those uh, backup offensive linemen. So finally then... Does Aaron Rodgers need to play either in Winnipeg or in the preseason at all to be ready for the regular season? What are your thoughts? No, no, he doesn't. (laughs) I know this has been, I know Tom Silverstein wrote an article. I've got a lot of respect for Tom Silverstein as a writer. He's very accomplished more than I will ever be in maybe anything that I ever do. I certainly understand that, but he's off his rocker for suggesting that Matt LaFleur aired and not playing Rodgers early in the preseason. And every year we get into this idea of if the Packers had played more in the preseason, their offense would have been better. They would have been off to a sloppy start, blah, blah, blah. Jared Goff of the St. Excuse me, I still do that. The Los Angeles Rams <laughs> did not play a single snap last year in the preseason. The Rams offense was pretty good, if you guys remember, and they were in, what's that game called at the end? The Super Bowl. So... Sean McVay doesn't value the preseason. I think most people that listen to this show would say that Sean McVay is pretty smart and one of the best coaches in the NFL. I'm, I, I don't think I'm reaching when I say that. So keeping that in mind, it's okay if Matt LaFleur follows that plan. I think that they've kind of kept things close to the vest. I don't, I can't say this for sure, but I don't think there ever was a plan to play Aaron Rodgers last week in Baltimore. And really, I mean, honestly, guys, if he plays this week, what's he going to play, a quarter? Like, what's the upside of playing him for eight plays? Is that eight plays going to work anything out for when he has to go play Chicago? If Green Bay's offense doesn't look good against Chicago, they'll blame it on the lack of preseason reps. But when the reality is it's week one of a new scheme with a new coach that's new to everybody on the offense, one, and two, it's against the Chicago Bears. 
like one of the best defenses in football from a season ago. Sometimes the other team makes plays too, but really, realistically, the benefit just isn't there. And I, I don't think that, I mean, selfishly, as a fan, I would love to watch Aaron Rodgers play on Thursday night, but I also understand that there's bigger fish to fry here. Now, I don't know exactly how I feel about the team's chances in terms of making the playoffs and stuff like that yet, but nonetheless, you don't want to torch them before the season even begins because we've watched for the last, well, really year and then two weeks. Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle, if either one of those guys has to start for an extended period of time, the season's over. So don't end your season before it begins. Plenty of other teams don't do it. I believe, if I remember correctly, Matt Nagy essentially sat all of his starters last year in the preseason, and the Bears were 12-4 and and won the North, and Nagy won Coach of the Year. So the idea that preseason reps work out the kinks or whatever, Aaron Rodgers said it best yesterday at his locker. So the most valuable reps he gets are in practice because Mike Patton is throwing the kitchen sink at this guy. Whereas if he goes out there tomorrow, first of all, the Raiders have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So that alone doesn't help. And then vanilla coverages. So he's playing a bad defense with vanilla coverages. There's no benefit to it. The reward certainly doesn't outweigh the risk. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to play. Put him, Devontae Adams, Blake Martinez, uh, David Bakhtiar and Brian Balaga and bubble wrap. Don't put him anywhere near the field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm of the same mindset. I just had nope written down in my notes. I mean, I think, and I feel for the Canadian fans, this might be one of their few chances to see Aaron Rodgers. So I get that it's incredibly enticing um, to want him to play, uh, whether it's one series, one quarter, um, because it might be their only opportunity to see him in the flesh actually playing in an NFL game. But like you said, the risk of injury isn't worth a few looks in this brand new offense. Um, I will say in training camp, when you watch the offense, it is an entirely different beast when Aaron Rodgers is leading the show versus like you mentioned, Kaiser or Boyle. It's just a completely different look for the offense. And everything really looks like it's clicking. And again, this is a naive observer who's attended one training camp practice that's been available to the public. But given what we've seen out of both backups, it's not going to make a ton of difference if you have Aaron Rodgers out there for one or two series. You know, the offensive line, sure. Aaron Jones, sure. But again, he's someone that I am kind of nervous to see go out there on Thursday night. Um, You had a great example with Jared Goff and the Rams. Um, Even when I talked to Justin McCray a couple weeks ago, uh, he said that really... The preseason is for your auditions for the rest of the league. The team kind of knows where you stand through training camp already. So, you know, your training camp is your audition with your own team. And then the preseason is what everyone else can see to decide if you're a kind of guy that they'd want to take out a waiver claim on or something. So because we know that Aaron Rodgers is a lock for the 53 and he's not going to be subject to claims, um, I think it's pretty safe to just sit him and not risk anything, especially if you were to have, you know, any back tightness or back spasms and then take an unnecessary shot, either when he's sliding or going out of bounds. Like you said, we don't have too many seasons left with Rogers, so you don't want to risk a whole season before it even starts. Jacob, uh, we have gone through pretty much an entire episode. Do you have anything else you want to add uh, before we, I guess, advertise ourselves for the listeners at home to follow along with us? on our social medias. 
Yeah, keep only two quarterbacks, and Deshaun Kaiser is the backup quarterback. That's that's really all I have on as far as fifty-three man rosters. There's one thing I wanted. To- <laughs> so, if I could only keep two quarterbacks, I would keep Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle. But I guess that's an argument that we can have um, for a different day, maybe next week when Nick is back to moderate that debate. There we go. Because if there's one thing that Nick does, as we both know. It's that he likes to play the very middle of the field and not take a firm stance. So Nick's middle name Schmitz <laughs> has to be a Swiss last name because that dude is as Switzerland as they come on almost everything. That is awesome. Jacob, tell the people where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I I suppose I'm. Uh, we're getting to the point of where it's almost October, so. You're going to be getting a lot of Packers, obviously, as always, but the Yankees are going to make the playoffs, so you'll be getting a lot of that, too. So my apologies ahead of time. I know I've got some friends that uh, work for this podcast that are Minnesota Twins fans, so we may have a meet-up here in the future. Uh, But, yeah, at Jacob Westendorf is my Twitter. You can find me as far as writing goes. uh, Dairyland Express, I'm working on some stuff on the 10 keys to the Packers season. What are some things I think – that can give the Packers whether or not they'll have a successful season, which I'm defining as returning to the postseason. Uh, so I'm working on that right now. I've had some stuff out about Darnell Savage and Jimmy Graham, and there's more stuff to come. So be sure to check that out. And once again, I am Maggie Loney. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. And I also write for Cheesehead TV. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, the only Packers podcast bringing you content 365 days a year. As always, go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.